Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, today I want to start by uh, sharing one of my favorite stories from the Bible uh, about a guy by the name of Josiah. 2 Kings chapter 22 and verse 1 says this, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adai, and she was born uh, from Bozkath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all of the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. So here's Josiah. He starts kinging, I guess that's what you would call it, at eight years old. And uh, the scripture says that after 18 years of, uh, yeah, after 18 years of this, now he's like 26 years old, he decides to um, send out men to clean up the temple and also to pay the men that were doing some work that were, you know, restoring the temple. And the picture that we get here of what's going on is that um, church and the word of God were not really a big priority in Israel at this particular time. Second Kings chapter, or in his life for that matter, Second Kings 22 verse eight says, Hilkiah the high priest said to um, Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. Can you imagine? They're cleaning church and they found the Bible because they cleaned the church. The janitor found the Bible. Crazy. I found the book of the law. So he gave it to Shaphan who read it. Then Shaphan, the secretary, went to the king and reported to him, your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have uh, entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. How bad is it when um, church members refer to the Bible as a book? Come on. Man, pastor gave me this book. Wow, a book. And Shaphan read it, uh, read from it in the presence of the king. So he's got this book, it was given to him by the priest, decides, I'll read, to it, I'll read from it for the king. Now, we can tell pretty quickly that church wasn't a big priority when they had to clean the church to find their Bible. Um, this is not exactly Israel's finest moment when it comes to worship or when it comes to the word of God being a priority in their lives. And it tells you a little bit about where Josiah's relationship was at with respect to the word of God as well. Uh, He may have been a a good person, as the scripture says. He's following in the path of his uh, father, David. And so, yeah, he might be, you know, morally good and all that kind of stuff. And he's he's kind of on track with his own personal life. But but it doesn't tell you exactly that uh, by his actions that he's really this passionate, God-following person. But as the scriptures are read, look at the response that happens in Josiah's life. 2 Kings 22 and verse 11 says this, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. What follows is that over the next 48 hours, the king 
basically brings an absolute revival and revolution to Israel. He removes all of the idols. He transforms the place back to worshiping the Lord. He reinstitutes the celebration of Passover. You know in Israel, you're backslidden if you're not celebrating something that brought you out of slavery and into your promised land uh, that should be celebrated every year. He reinstitutes that celebration of Passover. Well, what happened? What did he read that caused him to tear his clothes? We said, why would he tear his clothes? Well, it was basically a sign of humility and repentance. It was basically an outward sign saying, I'm tearing my clothes because God has just torn open my heart. Then he transforms his city. To understand this, you have to go back 400 years. The story starts with a prophet who comes to town with a word of judgment against the idolatry and idolatrous priests and, and their idol worship. In 1 Kings 13.2, here's the judgment. He cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord. O altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David, and on you he will sacrifice the priests of the high place who now make offerings here, and human bones will be burned on you. Josiah, having heard that, could now see his life in light of the word of God. His life was transformed. He just discovered destiny. He found the passage of scripture that spoke to his heart and absolutely impacted his world. When he found it, his life was changed forever because he discovered that God has a plan and a purpose for his life. How many of you know God's got a plan and a purpose for your life as well? Josiah just saw himself, listen, in light of the word of God, in light of the word of God. Josiah was no longer someone who just came from a, you know, a family with a history of having believers in it. He, he was no longer just this guy who's a king because you know, it was his birthright. He wasn't just some privileged kid on the throne and he wasn't just trying to follow the faith of his fathers. It now became his faith. In this moment, it became his identity, not, uh, not as a child of the line of the house of David, but as a child of God. Josiah didn't read this uh, prophetic word as simply, oh, here, Josiah, here's your to-do list from the Lord. But it spoke to him at a deeper level about who he was and the fact that God had his hands on his life. Josiah just connected with his true identity. Josiah just connected with his calling. He connected with God's purposes that were on his life. And in that moment, he went from being passive and indifferent as a believer to active and a difference maker because now he saw his life in light of the word of God. From indifference to making a difference. It's your privilege and my privilege to see ourselves in light of what God's word says about you and I. That's our privilege in walking with God, that we get to look into the scriptures and find out who we really are and who you are as a Christ follower because who you are in Jesus is your true identity. That's the place where you find out who you are. That's the place of securing that sense of belonging, of identity, of who I am as a person. Sadly though, you can accept and confess Jesus as Lord 
and not be secure about things like God's love for you. You can still be wondering about that. You don't necessarily, even though you believe in Jesus as your savior, this is the problem. You don't see yourself as God sees you. Josiah could have reacted very differently to the word of the Lord. He could have tried to opt out of holding on to the, by insecurity, you know, he could have, he could have heard that scripture and went, oh, that, that can't be about me. I mean, I appreciate that my name's there, but it must be a different guy. And, uh, you know, I just don't feel like this is really my call or I don't feel like it's my time. I'm too young after all, I'm only 26. And, and uh, you know, I'm still at home living in my parents' basement playing Game Boy. But anyway, moving right along. Um, or just simply with unbelief, just reading it and hearing it and going, yeah, I don't believe that. Instead, he embraced it, and it changed his life. This one verse of scripture spoke to Josiah and told him, like I said, not just a to-do list, but it told him, Josiah, you're called. You're accepted. You are loved by God. God believes in you. You have a purpose. God has his hand on your life. You are not alone. You are not forgotten. And you are not on the sidelines. And all of that was contained in what he read. Securing your identity as a child of God, that you're adopted into God's family. You are loved by God. That purpose is on your life is the foundation from which God will move in your life. When you see yourself as God sees you, you'll live up to what you see, not who you were. But until you see yourself as God sees you, our tendency is to see ourselves as we were. Seeing ourselves in light of our past, seeing ourselves in light of bad decisions, seeing ourselves in light of failures and mistakes or anything else that's gone. Do you know what can be equally messed up? is just seeing yourself in light of your successes. Yeah. You can build your identity around your business. Oh, look at me. I built this business. I'm, I'm successful. I'm doing well. I'm financially well off. You can be all of that and miss the purposes of God for your life or be lacking in a confidence about walking with God and faith towards God and so many other things because you just put your weight on that. But God's intention is to get you to see yourself in light of what he sees about you and says about you so that you can live out when the scripture says, old things have passed away, all things have become new. Doubting identity is the scheme of the enemy against your life. Doubting your place In God's kingdom, your place in God's family is the scheme of the devil against your life. So how do you know it? Because it's the scheme he tried against Jesus. It was the first thing he did. He worked on getting Jesus to doubt his identity. Matthew chapter four and verse three, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Here, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. I think he'd be hungry. Then the devil tempts him with food. Says, oh, come on, give us a food miracle here, Jesus. How many know Jesus would do a food miracle eventually? To prove your identity as the son of God. And Jesus is like, I don't need to do a miracle to prove who I am. Matthew chapter four and verse five, then the devil took him to a holy city 
had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered and said, it's also written, don't put the Lord your God to a test. Once again, the devil does the same play where he comes and says, you know, if you're really the son of God, challenging his identity and asking him to do something. But if you notice as you read the scriptures that the devil tries to use scripture out of context to manipulate Jesus. Oh, listen, if you're really the son of God, here's a Bible verse. Why don't you live, live this one out? Do you know what? The devil is still trying to use scripture out of context to manipulate believers and to manipulate the church. It goes something like this today. Aren't Christians supposed to just love everybody because God loves everybody? Yes, we are to love everybody. But that does not mean that we agree with or condone every choice being made. Listen, God loves us, but he still teaches us the difference between right and wrong. Matthew chapter four and verse eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this, he says, I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Finally, Satan just simply asked Jesus to change teams, you know, with, with the promise of, you know, you can have everything that the world has to offer if you just stop worshiping God. Jesus, however, held his position as the son of God and his destiny and his eternal purpose and lives out what he later says in scripture, my kingdom is not of this world. And he wasn't about to trade an eternal kingdom for a temporary one. Listen, our identity as Christ followers is secured by our faith in what Jesus did for us, not by our performance or for that matter, experiences in life. It is received by grace. It is not earned, nor is it deserved. It's the devil who asks the question, if you really are a child of God, if you really are a child of God, questioning your identity as a Christ follower is the enemy's strategy to stop you from having and experiencing all that God has for you in life. Listen, God never questions your identity in Christ. He only affirms it. The tempter calls your identity into question with thoughts like, well, if you're a real Christian, if you're a real Christian, you know, would you have thought that thought? I mean, if you're really a Christian, would you have those kinds of temptations? Uh, would you act out the way that you act out? If you were a real Christian, would you get angry and yell at your kids or your spouse on the way to church? Moving right along. Nobody's going to amen that. Let's just go on. Like, forget it, baby. If you're a real Christian, would you fall off the wagon? If you're a real Christian, would you continue to struggle with that habit? It is the devil's strategy to call into question your identity as a child of God. That is your spiritual position of being, you know, uh, justified and, and, and righteous, made right with God because of the blood of Jesus. And he does that using your fleshly human weaknesses. And we know from scripture, we understand, listen, I am made right with God because of what Christ did, not because of my actions and all the rest of it. 
But at the same time, I'm being what the Bible calls being sanctified. That is, my life is continuing to be changed and renewed, and I'm growing, I'm developing, I'm, I'm building new habits, I'm gaining new thought patterns, all the rest of it, as I walk with God. But he uses what is still in process of change to question what has been secured by Jesus. Are we perfect? Nope. Do we have character flaws? Yes. Do we miss the mark from time to time? Sure we do. But where in the Bible are we asked to look at how good we're doing at following Jesus to prove that we are followers of Jesus? Nowhere. Nowhere. In fact, the book of Galatians focuses on the mistake of looking at how good you are living and thinking that we are earning God's favor through our performance. We're not even called to look at our progress as some kind of proof of faith. Where in the New Testament do we see Paul writing the church and making statements like this? You know, now that you've stopped being impatient, you're righteous. Or now that you don't blow up with anger and yell at your staff or your spouse, you're holy. Or now that you've broken that nasty habit, you're justified. This is never the case. And in fact, it's actually the opposite. It is the opposite. It's in knowing your identity as a forgiven, accepted, loved child of God, made right with God, that empowers you to see change happen in your life. You see, you and I can pray with confidence because we already know that we're accepted. We're not going to God in prayer going, oh, wonder what he thinks about me today. Nope, you're already in the family. You're already accepted. You and I can stand against the challenges and the stresses of life because why? We already know God's on our side. You and I can, can trust in the leading of the Holy Spirit because we have a confidence God's put his presence in our life. You and I can fight the fight of faith in every area of life because we're already secure in our position in God's forever family. He is on your side to fight with you, to deal with whatever it is that's coming against you. I want you to know something. You never have to go into a battle of anything on your life questioning, well, I wonder if this is because God sent this into me because I'm not really doing good enough or all that kind of nonsense that sometimes even gets said from pulpits. God has forgiven you. If you're a Christian, he loves you. You are adopted into his family. That is secure. That is no longer in question. And he's on your side to fight a fight of faith for whatever needs to change in your world. You know, the last temptation that Satan threw at Jesus was to try to misguide his expectations for his life. Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he was living for an eternal kingdom, not an earthly one. And yet Satan tried to tempt him to take what he could have on this earth and see his life in light of his earthly status, not an eternal one. In a similar way, believers are tempted to viewing the work of God in their lives by the blessings and the experiences that they are having in this present time. Hey, I must be on track with God. After all, 
Look at how he's blessing my family and my finances, my business. Um, man, I must be on track with God. Have that much going on, have, have life going so good. Listen, if you start thinking that way, what happens when your life goes into a downturn? What happens when something out of your control uh, goes on 